The many servants of Sauron were unnumbered. Countless thousands poured shoulder to shoulder into the great green province of Kalinardon, many leagues southeast of Eregion. Foul things they did and said amid the long march, and a fiery temper was within them. For since they heard their master's call, a great ambition was emplaced upon them, and a hunger to ravage and raise the untempered west, and naught could assuage their determination. The vitality of the soldiery was immense, and the deathly cries of war sounded from between Fangorn and the Arid Nimres. The many scattered tribes of Lomen were routed in that land, and either joined in the ranks of the east, or were slaughtered, and the green grass ran with blood. On and on and on they marched, unending without rest or nourishment, save the spare portions of starch, rotten and infested with maggots and grime, in between feasting upon their prey and the now scarce man-flesh, as they drove north upon the foothills of the Enid Waith, the southern lands of Eriador. And while men and beasts they routed, not one foul creature, orc or troll, absconded the host of the east, for amid them rode an immense black figure, mounted upon a great draft steed bred in the shadows of Mordor, the once admired and admirable, the disciple of Aule, the servant of Melkor, the abhorred Sauron Gorthaur, and an unyielding malice radiated from his figure, strewing itself into the great black warhammer he bore in his right hand, and unto the Adele of Eriador he unfolded his demand. To the onset of Eregion comes the malice of the east, and upon Eriador our might shall be felt. The wrath of war shall churn again, and the discord shall ribbon the land. The West shall at last be tempered. My grand and pure orchestration forged in the foundries of Celebrimbor, I command, consigned, and surrendered to their maker. In so doing, the host of the East shall yield, and empathy come upon you. If of this you fail, none shall be spared. The echoes of his cruel voice abounded amidst the three elves encircling a bejeweled table adorned by a chalice. There is no honor in the claims he presents, Celeborn assured. The reins may be surrendered, and Eriador yet still laid waste. After all, why proffer credence to the deceiver of a Regian? We must proffer him not, Galadriel affirmed, whose thoughts had long been collected nor inspire any confidence in his foul tongue. His assailing is imminent, whether we concede the rings or not. But such is not our choice, for you and I are not the forger of the rings. Celebrimbor, meanwhile, sat in silence, his eyes fixated upon the chalice before him. He admired the runes upon its surface. Sulo o i numen, o i nodorman hast, pea. But too upon its facet he saw his reflection, clear in its stainless finish, his cold, downcast eyes staring back at him, a stark reminder of the sacrifice he had indebted in his creation, and the guilt inundated within him. But then amid his silence he saw his reflection no longer, but the dark face of Feanor within the chalice. His grandsire looked back at him, with a certain fire within the depths of his eyes, and a burning, resolute, dark ambition. Had Celebrimbor succumbed to the inevitable, 
repeated and revised the very madness that had overtaken Feanor in his fruitless pursuit of the Bautlier to be downcasted and felon by a demon of Morgoth. With a heavy heart, Celebrimbor rose from his seat, his eyes still fixed upon the chalice, but despite his sorrow, his demeanor burned with a fierce intensity. With a swift, fluid motion, he unsheathed his silver blade, holding it aloft the jeweled table, as if to make a solemn oath before the Valar themselves. I know the price of defiance, he declared, his voice ringing clear and true, but I shall gladly pay it, for if it is my fate to fall in this hour of peril, then let it be said that Celebrimbor, son of Curufin, fought valiantly and cowered not. Let it be said that he redeemed the name of his grandsire, Feanor, whose deeds brought darkness to the land, but whose spirit burned with an undying fire. And let it be said that Celebrimbor, last of the house of Feanor, stood fast against the shadow and wrought a mighty deed that set things right. Celeborn and Galadriel raised their swords in concord, and unto Sauron they oathed war until their last breath was spent. The Ened Waith was ravaged and raped, and the forests stripped bare. Flames wailed and wreathed upon branch and bark, fruitlessly reaching into the smog-filled sky, and great war drums were sounded amidst the assailment. The creatures of Middle-earth were the first to feel the wrath of Gorthaur unveiled, and precious few shunned the army of Sauron. Foul wargs ran rampant amid the blackened fields, and torch-bearers weaved amidst the remnants of the once widespread forests of the Enidwaith. They drove further north, the wreathing lidless eye of Sauron upon the edifice of Eregion, and upon a great sloping hill they came, and Sauron hoisted his great warhammer high into the smog, commanding the soldiery to a halt. Then a great low horn resounded, and the vanguards and scouts of Sauron marched again, leaving the infantry in the remnants of their carnage, and a great length of time were upon them. And two days and two nights came and passed, until at last another horn answered, this one a great high-sounding ram's horn, and descending from the height of the hill showed scarce few of the once great force that had been sent northwards. "'Does the host of Mordor abscond their master?' Sauron demanded of the small troop. "'The black blood now spoils the amour of the living,' an Uruk screeched. "'They beheaded our own! They vowed upon you death and wrath, lord!' They idle no longer. Who vows that which I vow unto them? In sudden answer, a great rumble shook the ground, and all eyes gazed upon the horizon. There a blinding light showed, growing brighter and stronger, and with it came the sound of a great host. Sauron's heart filled with rage, for he knew that Eregion had come in defiance and challenge. As the host drew closer, Sauron could see the glint of silver armor and the rising sun reflected in their steel, but it was the figures at the front of the host that daunted him most. Celeborn, son of Galadon, stood tall and proud, his hair shining like silver and his sword gleaming like gold. Beside him was Galadriel, daughter of Finarfin, cloaked in mail and a green mantle that billowed in the wind. A great temper and hatred swelled within the heart of Sauron, and a deafening cry he made, resounding in a deep baritone across the battlefield. And then, 
as the infantry of Gorthour charged in counter, the wrath of Sauron was at last felt. The armies clashed in a deafening cacophony of steel and might, a consonance of wrath and defiance, binded by an equal hatred of their oppressor. The wicked blades of the orcs were unveiled and brandished, and the resolute defense stood firm, their ranks unbroken. The two sides were locked in a dance of despair and distaste, and looming amid them Galadriel and Celeborn, holding defiance and hope on a crest in their heart. The peasantry of the east rapidly fell into ruin, and their bodies in heaps were mounted and raised. Many an orc tasted the silver blades of Eregion, and were disbanded, quickly dwindling their host, and Celeborn called, a clear and powerful voice amidst the wailing screams and yells from the onslaught. Hayaste! Illaime! In answer, the host of Eregion charged unto the remnants of their foes, and the vestiges were routed, fleeing the might of Elvendom. Many elves cheered amidst the devastation, for scarce few among them had fallen, and triumph had come. However, a great fear loomed still within Galadriel and Celeborn, and such was not unfounded. For the sun, while amid the peak of the sky, was now shrouded, and a great shadow was conjured. Sauron's figure loomed over the chaos and calamity, and began anew a march. His steed strode forward, and behind him the culmination of his wrath and fury. The lesser ranks of his soldiery had indeed fallen, but now a greater host trailed Gorthaur, whose armor was black and iron, and their blades heavy and cruel, and amongst them clamored the great trolls of Melkor. They stand in defiance, glowered Sauron. They look upon you as slaves and marauders, as remnants of Melkor's malice and discord. Do not be assuaged, for you are no symbol of death, but order and might. Fools are those who act in retaliation, and they must now be mitigated. Anon Eriador shall be yours. Do not waver upon the precipice of triumph, for victory is upon you! The night had fallen over the company of Elrond Paradel. The day had brought them far east, beyond Breland and the Guathlo, which hosted Tharbat along its curving stream. They camped amid a marshland, within a clearing between a forest of curved and jagged trees, leaning over the throng of Linden. Elrond stood alone, a furlong down the river, and he admired the clear night sky. Stars as bright as diamonds, glittering in the blackness beyond Arda, shrouding some far-off void. But amongst the array of shimmering orbs shone one brighter than any other, a great and magical Silmaril, upon the crest of a swan ship, guided ever long by his father. Irandil the Mariner was both a blessing and a curse to the young Paradel. He coveted them more than anything, yet some nights he looked upon the gleaming star with downcast eyes. The Mariner's legacy far outshining his, the star a stark reminder of all Irandil and Eldros had accomplished. But on this night he looked upon it with doubt. Elrond had held his heraldry to the High King of the Noldor since the dawn of the age, yet every moment he aspired far more. Gilgalad had guided his guilt of his father's passing, and lifted him upon a pedestal of preeminence and important of what could be, but his fea was dimmed by the feet of his father something he would never be able to live up to. And now Elvindom looked upon him as a commander, and placed upon his shoulders the weight of Eregion and Eriador, with the expectation of greatness and eminence. 
but from his captivity under Maglor to the council he offered Elros and Gilgalad, he had never borne such a burden, and now he doubted himself. What would his father think? He who sailed west without uncertainty, and he who assailed Ancalagon alongside Thorondor. And Elrond was his esteemed son, yet the conviction of his father was lost on him, and now he stood doubt-ridden about what lay ahead. Upon this doubtful night, within the midst of the clear air, oft in the eastern sky, Elrond saw a great many embers, orange and distinct upon the blackened sky, and a smoke unseen billowed. His mind raced even faster than his feet en route back to the camp of his company, and hastily he commanded the troop to take up arms, and return their march east. He led them, striding in front, his left hand gripping the hilt of his sword, Numenyatur. They came, in time, out of the forest beyond the marsh, and unto a land of rolling hills. The light of Laurelin at last showed when they came upon a rise overlooking a valley that spanned all the way to the foothills of Hithulir, and the company of Elrond looked upon a great desolation. The forests were stripped bare, and ashes upon ashes blanketed the mudded ground. Far off a great horde of orcs like ants moved amid the blight, flanking a weary host of Eregion. Casting his elven eyes upon the bow, he saw the figures of Galadriel and Celeborn fruitlessly defending their own. Swallowing the notion of despair, he looked upon the star of his father once more, remembering the deeds Yerentil perpetuated, and the scant memories he had of looking upon his father's face. Silently he lamented, Barame. He raised Numenyatur into the sky and cried, For Eriador! There a last defiance for Eregion was held, and the might of Harlond, Mithlond, and Forlond was unveiled. A tumultuous terror and trepidation was felt on either side of the colossal combat of chaos, and the sun was swallowed by a sinister shadow that rivaled the aura of Melkor Vaglir, and the wrath of an age long ago. The vigor and vitality of Linden's succor welled the battlefield, bringing dire aid to the company of Celeborn and Galadriel, who, espoused, engaged the enclosing flank, their resistance a beacon of hope amongst the sortie of Eregion. Galadriel admired Elrond with joyous tears as she watched the son of the Mariner, whom she had surveyed amid his youth, fight with courageous valor, and through his actions he saw the countenance of Irindil, and a strength that contented with his reveled bearers. However, despite the availment of Elrond's company, Sauron's figure loomed too heavily over this theater of turmoil, and hither left and right his warhammer was brandished, and the dim eyes of the Faeolus elves maculated the ruinous Terra. But a last fruitless charge from the host of Elrond provided a narrow escape, and the remnants of the tumult fled into the east. Norikotumo! Elrond's voice called aloud, drowned in a sea of horror and panic as ranks upon ranks of orcs and trolls gave chase to the Adel. Return to the remnants of the east, and come no further. Galadriel's cry abounded in demand of the host of Sauron. She raised her elven blade into the sky, and a great white light burst asunder. A thunderous roar resonated over the calamity. The soldiery of Sauron wailed in disgust and anguish, for the radiance shrouded their view, and when their perception at last returned, the entirety of the fleeting, fleeing army had vanished.